This podcast is a listener and reader-supported creative effort. Some of our amazing readers and listeners have chosen paid subscriptions to the Roast West Coast Coffee Newsletter on RoastWestCoast.com. They are part of a growing community of people who appreciate craft coffee, learning about coffee, and being inspired by the guests on this show. If you are able, and this show has been going well, with your morning mug of your favorite coffee, please subscribe to the paid newsletter at RoastWestCoast.com. Thanks for listening, thanks for subscribing, and thanks for drinking good coffee. Any questions about this chat before we get started? I don't think so. Cool. Well, then uh, let's get right into it. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Coffee People podcast presented by Roast West Coast. I'm Ryan Wolt, and this is the show where we meet and are inspired by the entrepreneurial stories of coffee people. You may have noticed that RWC has gone further beyond the confines of the West Coast this season. There are just too many interesting industry people to meet. It's why you may have noticed me phasing in the coffee people branding along with our original Roast West Coast title. Today's guest hails from the northern border region between Ohio and Pennsylvania. Kaylee Bortolucci is a full-time barista and the founder-operator of Slow Hurry Coffee, a roaming espresso bar that she sets up at pop-ups, makers and craft markets, and even the local fitness center. If you want to check out the Slow Hurry vibe while you're listening today, follow at Slow Hurry Coffee on Instagram and head to slowhurrycoffee.com. Okay, I've got a pour-over that I brewed with my new Kalita Wave 155 coffee brewer. And I have to say that so far, I'm really digging this little thing. It's one of the cutest little brewers I own by a mile, and the flavors I've been pulling out of it lean rich and creamy. I hope and recommend that you take a moment to brew a cup of coffee, perhaps experimenting with a new brewer or pouring style while you listen to this conversation with Kaylee Bortolucci entrepreneur and founder of Slow Hurry Coffee. <laughs> uh, my name is Kaylee Bordelusi. I run Slow Hurry Coffee. It's a roaming espresso bar. Um, favorite TV show as a kid, probably Ninja Turtles. <laughs> favorite ninja turtle Raphael. see i think people grow into Raphael. as a kid <laughs> you think michelangelo is the guy yeah but later in life uh no Raphael was making sure everyone was doing their job he's for the sure. parent for sure well welcome to the roast west coast coffee podcast i'm glad you're here thank you and i didn't ask you this uh to say this up front but where are you located yeah, so I basically right on the border of um, Western PA and Eastern Ohio, um, near Youngstown area. I feel like that line right there, you are standing in some rough territory where you're identifying with both sides of that borderline. Yes. With yeah. your business. Yeah. I spent some time uh, living in Pittsburgh and I'm a little bit familiar with kind of that region. And I want to get into that a little bit. But before we do, I want to learn a little bit more about you. 
a little bit about your coffee backstory. You know, what was your first kind of coffee experience that you remember that made you think, oh, this is kind of enjoyable or I want to see where this goes? I've been drinking coffee basically my whole life. My grandmother, my grandparents are Italian, so there's always coffee around. So she started giving us coffee when we were like five or six years old. So it's just something that's always been like a part of my life in general. But I got into working in coffee this year would be 10 years ago. I started at Starbucks, actually. I kind of just moved to the area, and I just needed a job, really. And they just happened to be hiring, so I thought, why not something to check out? Um, I didn't really think it would be a place I'd be at for a while, but I really started to enjoy learning about coffee and the coffee industry, so kind of became my career from there, I guess. But I was at Starbucks for like five years. Back then, they still had their coffee master program. That's something that I was interested in doing. Uh, Once I started that and learning about just like the history of coffee, production, growing, all that stuff, it was just like super interesting to me. So I always started looking for more information about coffee, which I think is kind of funny because like the coffee at Starbucks is obviously not great the coffee itself but that the coffee master thing was like a pretty cool thing to learn that's what got me looking into specialty coffee more the coffee master program is the one with the fancy aprons when you pass yeah, yeah they, i guess they don't have it anymore from what i hear but how oh, i'm gonna have to look into that yeah it was actually like a cool thing um for starbucks it was like a three-month course it was like self-guided you did a little bit each week but it just went over so much stuff about coffee But yeah, that's what got me looking into specialty coffee, like I said. And back then in this area, there really wasn't, there really wasn't a lot of specialty coffee around at all. So I stayed at Starbucks for like four years, I think. And I'd always said like I was just waiting for a local coffee shop to open. So finally one did. And that's kind of how I ventured into the specialty part of coffee. I think about half of the maybe 70 or so interviews I've done have some connection to Starbucks. So whatever we think about Starbucks coffee now, like without them, this entire wave, this entire generation of coffee people probably wouldn't exist, uh, at least not in the same way. I agree. So then you you moved to a new uh, coffee place. Was there ever a chance that you weren't going to be in coffee? Was there ever a different path that you might have taken? Uh, I went to college in Pittsburgh, actually. For photography, I went to the Art Institute, so that was uh, that was my plan. <laughs> but yeah, just I didn't really know what I wanted to do with it. Like ultimately, like I liked taking pictures; I was good at it. But like the wedding photographer career, like didn't interest me really. And unfortunately, that's a lot of how photographers make money in this area. 10 hours of high stress all in one day. And if you miss it, you like get yelled at. That doesn't sound appealing to you. You ruin people's <laughs> lives. Yeah. No. Not really something that was for me. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I still love photography. I love taking pictures. I like that. I have that background now trying to run my own business. So I kind of have that. I can kind of do multiple things at once, I guess. Like, I wondered this about the Art Institute programs. Did they teach you any business skills that you've since applied or was it more focused on the art? Um, No, it was definitely more focused on the business, I would say, for sure. Um, We took a lot of business management type courses. So I think that has helped me a little bit 
in opening Slow Hurry and getting that going. But I really just learned a lot from, I worked at a couple uh, independent, or actually a few now, independent cafes that I've managed. So I've, I've learned a lot just from that end of it. Yeah, you have to be on your toes. Uh, full disclosure, I was actually I actually interviewed to be a recruiter for the Art Institute uh, in Pittsburgh, <laughs> and I did not make it very far. I ran yeah. I, I ran a bar instead. I think hospitality you, people, you kind of lean towards that. I, I mean, when in doubt. So you're you're working in other restaurant or cafes, and you're managing them, and you're learning about specialty coffee. You've got years in. Mm-hmm. What makes you think you know what I want to do this for myself? and start a pop-up coffee bar, which is like a whole nother style. You're not, you didn't, you don't open a cafe necessarily. You didn't rent a retail space. Uh, you decided to open a, a pop-up. Why do that? It really was out of a kind of necessity. Um, the one smaller cafe that I was working at at the time, the owners sold it randomly and they gave us like a week's notice. So that was really fun. But I didn't know exactly what I was going to do from there. Um, I didn't have another cafe like lined up and ready to go. And at that point, I think it was like maybe eight years into my coffee career. And I just thought that I was kind of sick of working for other people and uh, having them dictate a lot of what was going on in the cafe. So I decided that I wanted to try to start something that I could just use my own skills with use myself to do it and just like work for myself. It kind of started in the midst of me moving to another cafe as well. So I'm currently managing a cafe. We have two locations. That's like my full-time thing. And then I do slow hurry on the side, on the weekends, whenever I can book pop-ups for that. So that's where I'm at with that. The slow hurry concept, the this idea that you're doing, it's kind of like a farmer's market concept where you aren't you're not in a stable position where you're in the same spot all the time. Right. So I've noticed you do events and you do you do pop-ups. Was that kind of your plan in starting this business or did that just sort of happen because you were also taking on a new role at a cafe? The pop-up thing was part of the initial plan. Um, ultimately, I would like to see it as a full-service coffee van, but I just didn't have the time or the capital to start that right away. Um, So the pop-up was something that was more attainable for me at the moment. I just put my own money into it to start it up. I got a a custom bar built out. um, So that like breaks down real easily and it's set up like specifically for my height. Like it's everything about it is made like just for me. That was more attainable for me to begin with. Also with having my full-time job too, I wasn't ready to just jump right in out of nowhere. I do have a child, so it's like I have to be a little bit responsible with that. <laughs> so yeah, it's. Uh, I wish I wish I could have just jumped right into it. And I wish that could be my full time thing right now. But I'm happy with how it's been progressing over the past year. So I've, I've only been doing it for a year now, a little over a year. But it's definitely has been picking up in the past few months. December was really busy for me. January is busy. So I keep getting uh, people interested emailing me for different pop-ups that I haven't done before, different events. So I'm liking where it's going. Very cool. If you were like my parents, you don't have a child, you have a future employee. <laughs> yeah. So let's just I'm make trying. sure we're that. Yeah. <laughs> trying to get her to like coffee. Um, 
not quite there yet, but she's only seven, so. Well, I didn't drink coffee until I was 30, and now I host the show, so we'll call it, uh, she's got time. Yeah. Slow Hurry, what does that mean as far as your company and your branding? Why choose that name? Where did that idea come from? I, I have my own kind of emotional reaction to it, so, but I'm curious to hear from you where it came from. I just like, it's kind of like a layered uh, answer, I guess, but from coming from Starbucks originally, everything about like my bar experience has been super fast paced, get the drinks out. Customers don't want to wait for their drinks. Like that was kind of like drilled into our brains from Starbucks. So I personally um, am very fast when I work on the bar. And I think that with specialty coffee, sometimes, um, I don't know, if you go to like a cafe where the service is like really methodical and slow. Like you do appreciate the outcome. Um, but I think there is a place for kind of like a bridge between like a Starbucks type service and a slower pace specialty cafe service. Um, so that's where I'm kind of like aiming to be in the middle there. And also just about the whole process of coffee in general. Like most people don't know like how coffee's grown, how long it takes to achieve what they're drinking all the different people that it goes through from the farmers, producers, roasters, whatever, barista. So I think there's this weird like juxtaposition in coffee where it's so slow leading up to the end drink, espresso, latte, whatever, but you get it so fast and you drink it so fast and you don't even think about all the stuff that has happened to get to your cup. It's very, it's a little, uh, I guess, maybe deeper (laughs) For me, I know that kind of stuff, but that's truly why like, I appreciate coffee so much. Going back to learning the stuff from the Starbucks Coffee Master thing years ago, like it's just crazy to me, Like all, everything that goes into coffee. People drink it and they don't even think twice about what they're drinking. And they just, some people just drink it just to get through their morning. Some people appreciate what they're drinking. So I just want to be somewhere in the middle kind of bridge the gap of people who are looking for that fast-paced service but want something better in their cup than if they go to Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts or something like that. Well, and you're going to be educating a new wave of coffee drinker, especially in that kind of Ohio, Pennsylvania uh, belt. I mean, there's going to be an entire generation of, of older coffee drinkers that are going to say, okay, if it's black and it's in my cup, then we're good. Uh, And it's $2. (laughs) Yeah. So to to create a new generation of educated coffee drinkers is a challenge uh, for any business. I'm actually drinking a cup of coffee from some beans that you sent me from Branch Street. I have to say, uh, this is their Columbia. This might be the most flavorful coffee that I have had in a year. And I drink a lot of different coffees, a lot of different coffee shops. Uh, I've had it as a V60 in this morning as a French press. The V60, honestly, I like sat up in my chair, like what is happening right now. How did you find Branch Street Coffee Roasters and why did you decide to start working with them? You know, what's what's that connection there? As I was saying before, uh, when I was still at Starbucks, thinking about, yeah, I hope someday there's like a local cafe that opens. Right around that time, Branch Street was a local cafe that opened a little bit farther out from where I'm at. But uh, when I left Starbucks, to help open another local cafe, they were using Branch Street as 
their main roaster. So that's how I kind of like found out about them. So I've had a working relationship with them for the past like five years, I think. Between all the cafes I've worked at have actually served Grand Street. The cafe I'm working at now, not Slow Hurry, my other one that I manage, we serve Grand Street. So like they're kind of like a local coffee legend, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, I'm excited to try more of those. So you, they can thank you for introducing uh, their coffee to me. The the pop up that you do, where do people find you? What sort of events are you doing? And what are some of the challenges or the benefits of of being on the move or being flexible like that? I tried to do a couple regular pop ups at the same place. It's actually a gym that I go to in Sharon, Pennsylvania. Who that's. I kind of have that connection through a different cafe that I worked at. So like, I don't know, um, all these things are kind of connected, even though people may not understand why I'm serving coffee in a gym sometimes. So I do a couple regular weekends a month there on Saturdays. So that's kind of like a spot people can always find me at. I always post online, like on my Instagram or update my website where I'm going to be. And then other than that, I've primarily been doing a lot of artist markets or craft markets. I recently started doing a vegan market. It's all vegan products. So that one's like a newer one that I've gotten into this year, but it's a good one. My So I fit into there because my uh, bar, I only use oat milk. So my menu is fully vegan to begin with. Is a whole other concept, I think, for people to get used to, especially around here. But so far, it's been met pretty good. I mean, I'm in California, so I just assume places are vegan by default. And then yeah. we work our way out uh, and look for cheese and eggs and bacon on the menu. Has it been easy to find these spots for you? Obviously, you had the connection with the gym, but some of the other events, how has the challenge been of getting places to trust you to say, hey, I want this person to set up their business? I do a pop-up, coffee pop-up once a month in front of an REI store. And there's a challenge to going, you know, loading up the car, setting up, making sure the coffee is good or dialed in, making sure your stuff is. And then at the last minute, realizing you forgot your oat milk, you know, <laughs> yeah. like what has that challenge been like? Just the process of, of breaking up and bring down and finding venues that are willing to trust you. So I've been pretty fortunate with finding places. Um, honestly, a lot of the places outside of the gym that I pop up at have approached me a couple of times I've gotten a lead through uh, like Branch Street. Somebody will approach them to do some kind of like pop-up service and then they'll, they'll refer it to me. So just like the coffee community around here in general, um, just word of mouth has been big for me. I've only had one place that was pretty difficult to set up at and it was my own fault for not uh, checking out the space <laughs> first. But I had to carry all my equipment up like six flights of stairs, the whole bar, the espresso machine, the grinder, all the products, the cases of oat milk. So that was that was a learning experience for me, for sure. I truly didn't even think about it. And then I got there and I was like, OK, this is, uh, <laughs> this is what we're doing. So let's just get it over with. But it actually turned out to be a great pop up. But yeah, so now I always ask if there's stairs involved because... <laughs> It was not a fun night, but... Lesson learned. Uh, you mentioned the grinder, which is a, brings me to the, my next question. 
you're actually grinding coffee and brewing fresh uh, coffees on site. You're not pre-making it and bringing it, which means you have a portable espresso machine. I'm assuming you need power Correct. Uh, to do your pop-ups. Have you found that you also have the cafe space? So do you, do you find that you're able to replicate the quality of the product on site? And then you also do like you create signature drinks for some of your, your clients. How do you work through that process? You know, what is that like to find something that they want for them? Because everybody wants to be unique, but there's only so many variations that you can do. Yeah, that that has like the signature drink thing. It is a little bit difficult, especially um, because I do manage another cafe and I really try to keep them separate. So I, it's hard to like come up with a new seasonal drinks for an actual two cafes and then something completely different on my own because it is such a small community. So a lot of people know that I work at both places, that type of thing. But with Slurry, like I just try to do things that I think are different that maybe people haven't tried before. Um, one of my seasonal flavors end of last year was like a pomegranate basil flavor. I actually did that as one of my winter flavors because I felt like everyone's so used to all the same types of wintry things around here. Um, so it has been it has given me more of like a creative outlet to just try random things that maybe people are kind of not afraid to try, but like they kind of question me like, oh, are you sure <laughs> that's good? I'm like, yeah, just trust me, just try it. And then uh, they always end up loving it. So that has been nice. Has it been a challenge to replicate quality on site versus in the cafe because you are carting all this equipment around and you probably have some limitations? You know what? I think it's actually easier with the pop-up, even though I'm I'm not using as great of an espresso machine as I would be at a normal cafe. I'm still using a, a mini Linea Lamarzoco. So like the quality of all my equipment and stuff is still cafe quality. But I use third wave water with distilled water uh, for all my pop-ups. And I think that alone gives me a lot of control over the outcome. I'm sure you know and other people like water quality is huge when it comes to coffee. So like even though I'm actually using maybe the same espresso in my pop-up that I'm using at the cafe I work for, tastes completely different because of all the variables that are going into it. So I think it, for me personally, it's actually easier to maintain the quality control at the pop-up rather than the full cafe. That's really interesting. I just did two water episodes on our other show, Coffee Smarter. If anyone's listening, listen to that show too. And filtering your water was part of that. Uh, we actually have really great water in Southern California uh, coming out of the tap, but since that show, I've been brewing tap with tap and then out of a filter and then uh, with distilled, adding the minerals in and just comparing the same coffees. And it is wild, to say yeah. the least. What is something you've learned over the last year that you've been doing this pop-up that maybe kind of surprised you or was just different? Something that um, about coffee that maybe you didn't realize before you started this this journey? I thought it was, I mean, I knew it was pretty risky going with the pop-up type of service. I mean, it requires people to follow you on some type of social media. It requires them to get out of their cars and go to places that they probably haven't gone before just to get coffee. So I knew it was risky, but I've been surprised how 
many regulars I've picked up just from the pop-ups that aren't even associated with the other cafes that I work at. Because like I said, this is my 10th year in coffee this year, working in the same area. So I have like regular customers that I've had from my Starbucks days that have followed me to like every cafe that I've gone to still come into the pop-up. So I was pleasantly surprised that I could still get people to come see me for coffee, even if it's not as convenient. I think people are willing to go the extra mile for something they believe in. There's a gentleman, I'm going to just spout a story real quick, but named Walt, who told me once I was stressing because I was spending too much time on social media, not enough time actually doing the things I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And I said, I think I'm going to cut some of these out. You know, is anyone out there watching these feeds have any opinions on that? And he responded with, we're not here because it's on social media. We're here because of you. Like, we'll follow you wherever you go. You know, just yeah. let us know. And I thought that was really uplifting. And and it's a good reminder that when you're providing something you believe into the community, they'll generally support you back. Uh, yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> what comes next? What didn't we cover about uh, Slow Hurry Coffee, about you? What's the future hold? So, yeah, like I said before, I would, um, the end goal is to turn this into like a full service coffee van um, so I can be even more mobile. I don't have to use as much time breaking down, setting up the bar, all that kind of stuff. So that's what I'm continuing to work towards this year. Is there a, ch- a challenge there with permitting at all with between two different states? It's not super challenging, but there are some differences, just like there's tax differences, the way coffee's taxed in Ohio and Pennsylvania. But as far as like permitting goes, they're both pretty similar. So it's not, hasn't been too much of an issue going back and forth over the border. Yeah, that's something that's just for me because I'm interested in it as a, a, a nerd about that sort of thing. When you're on that drive between a pop-up in the cafe or somewhere else, and obviously I know you are in the cafe a lot, but let's say you were on vacation or something and you stop into a coffee shop or a new roaster, what do you drink for yourself? What do you order? So I'm the type of person that orders like three drinks because I want to check out the whole <laughs> menu. So pretty much every time I order... A single, usually a single shot of espresso, a drip, and a latte. And I just try all three things. I think that's a good way to explore a new roaster or a new coffee shop that you haven't gone to. Because I know not every drink is going to be perfect. And I I would hate to (laughs) base my whole opinion on a, a new place off of one drink. So, And I personally just like to try all those different drinks. So. But it adds up. I always start with the with the drip coffee, and if I think that they've done like or at least put in the effort, then I'll move on. Yeah, I do that sometimes. Yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily always order them all together. <laughs> I usually start with espresso or drip to uh, kind of get my bearings of what they're doing, and then go from there. But yeah, definitely, I'm the type of person to walk out of a coffee shop with a tray of drinks just for myself. <laughs> Uh, well, when you have the van, you'll have plenty of room to store all those drinks. Yeah. Anything that I missed? Um, I don't think so. All right. Well, yes. good. Then I did a good job. Yeah. Kaylee, thank you so much for taking some time to talk about Slow Hurry. Share part of your story with uh, the show. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And I'm glad you enjoyed the coffee that I sent you. I really did. I'm I'm only a couple cups in, but I just... 
I don't even know if I like it or dislike it. I'm not, I'm not even going to say that. There just was so many flavors going on that I'm trying to work through them all yeah, and figure I, uh, it out. I I personally brew Chemex at home all the time. Um, it's my favorite brew method. I have a note here that says, why the Chemex? And I forgot to ask oh, yeah, it. I forgot that. Well, we can add it now. Yeah, so... <laughs> I just, I don't know, I just like the Chemex. I feel like, I don't know, it's it's definitely not as trendy of a brew method anymore for specialty coffee. But for me, like the outcome is always super solid, super clean. It normally highlights the notes that I personally like in coffee, of the brighter, citrusy, floral, that kind of thing. So I, I, it's just my favorite brew method. The Columbia that I sent you like really stands out on the Chemex. So if you have one, you should give that a try. I do. We just recorded a show on the Chemex. The Coffee Smarter show, the first season is all about different coffee brewers that people buy when they get started. Okay. I bought a Chemex. It was one of my first brewers that I bought, mm-hmm. a knockoff Chemex. But I had no idea what I was doing. It was too soon. I should have waited. Yeah. But I pulled it out and we started brewing with it. So I'll definitely give that a try this week too. I this year has been an investment year in coffee brewers already. So uh, my wife keeps asking why we have new boxes showing up at the house all the time. It adds up, but every, <laughs> every brew method really does, uh, know, kind of does its own thing. So That it does. Okay, to recap. Kaylee mentioned that she uses third wave water minerals mixed into distilled water when brewing coffee at her slow hurry coffee pop-ups. By controlling the water variable, she is better able to provide a consistently good product, despite the other limitations presented by serving on location. Slow Hurry's roaming espresso bar covers a territory that straddles the border of western PA and eastern Ohio. As someone who spent time living in the area just south of there, I'm fairly impressed that she's carved out a niche on both sides. Kaylee got her coffee start early, earlier than most, I'd guess, at five to six years old, spending time with her coffee-loving grandparents. Later, as a career, she got her start at Starbucks, which is basically a feeder program for coffee professionals who found themselves at the forefront of the third wave. There, she tried to satiate her desire to learn more about coffee by going through the Coffee Master program. Eventually, she found herself working in local cafes, and when the future looked uncertain, Slow Hurry was born out of a desire to control her own destiny and provide coffee in that window between convenience and intention. The life of a cup of coffee is reflected in that name Slow Hurry. A coffee bean begins at the farm. The process is so slow at the beginning. It takes months, even years, for a coffee plant to be grown from the ground and begin fruiting coffee cherries that are worthy of the coffee we've become accustomed to. After picking, the fruit is still processed over days, even weeks. Then it has to be shipped across continents, across oceans, until it reaches a green coffee importer. Those beans will find a home with a coffee roaster, who eventually drop them into their roasting machine. This is where things begin to speed up. The coffee is roasted, packaged, shipped again, and put in the queue. Finally, someone will order a coffee or a latte or a cappuccino, and wham! Those beans are whipped out at the coffee bar. Their life has entered the speed zone. It's a slow hurry. The least we can do as coffee drinkers is take a moment, even a brief one, to appreciate the efforts of the farmers, importers, roasters, and finally, baristas and coffee entrepreneurs like Kaylee 
as that liquid passes beyond the barrier of our lips and becomes part of us. Lastly today, Kaylee's favorite show as a kid was Ninja Turtles. Ninja Turtles. If you've listened to previous seasons of this show, you know that for a long time, I'd start episodes by asking which turtle a guest would be if a guest could be a Ninja Turtle. I ask you now, which Ninja Turtle would you be? And what kind of coffee do you think your turtle alter ego would drink? Feel free to let me know at Roast West Coast on Instagram and Facebook. And be sure to follow Kaylee on social media, at Slow Hurry Coffee. You can find those links in this show's podcast notes, or in the Roast West Coast Coffee newsletter, which you can find and subscribe to at RoastWestCoast.com. All the cool kids are doing it. If you're in the early stages of your coffee journey, that is also where you'll find the brand new Coffee Smarter Education podcast which we designed specifically to improve your at-home coffee brewing skills and to better appreciate your going out to the cafe experience. In Season 1, you'll learn what is happening during the brewing process to extract flavor from the bean, more about how water impacts your coffee, and finally, we cover all the most popular and some not-so-common coffee brewers you might buy at the entrance to the rabbit hole that is coffee brewing at home. You can also find this show and Coffee Smarter on all of your favorite podcast platforms, like Apple or Spotify. You can be part of making this show better by rating and reviewing it wherever you can, or send me a message on one of the at Roast West Coast social medias. I read everything you send or write in the reviews, both because I really care about making this podcast better and because I have an insatiable need for attention. Speaking of making things better, this show wouldn't be half as good without the support of some kick-ass roast industry partners. They are Café La Terre, Camp Coffee Company, Coffee Cycle Roasting, Ignite Coffee Company, Marea Coffee, First Light Coffee Whiskey, Cape Horn Coffee Importers, Zumbar Coffee and Tea, Ascend Coffee Roasters, Moster Coffee Company, and Steady State Coffee Roasting. This episode of the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast is, was, has been written, produced, and recorded by me, Ryan Wolt. I hope this episode has found you happy, healthy, and with at least a thread of sanity left, enabling you to make it through the day. Always tip your baristas, and be sure to drink good coffee. The award-winning Moster Coffee isn't just a place for coffee. It's a place for great beer and food and remote working and the telling of stories and uplifting the community. Not just the craft coffee community, but the communities Moster Coffee serves and the greater world. The Moster Coffee Company was started to help farmers around the globe build generational wealth for their families. While you can purchase a cappuccino and a latte anywhere, Moster wanted to create coffee for their customers that not only tastes good, but does good. Learn more about Moster Coffee's impact on MosterCoffee.com and follow at Moster Coffee on social media to be inspired by the founders, Bev, Jalen, Sam, and Mike, who've gone above and beyond to create a coffee circle that strengthens all of those around them. At MosterCoffee.com, you'll find your next favorite cup of coffee.